Thank you, Joel and team. Um, it's good to, good to have some good worship tonight. I definitely needed it. Um, I love the bridge there. Um, Joel, did we plan this? Did I like tell you what we were preaching about? No. The Lord, the Lord knows. Um, the first line of that bridge is, um, I won't bow down to idols. And tonight we're talking about Exodus 32, when the, uh, the Israelites do just that. Um, so if you want to turn or tap with me in your scripture to Exodus chapter 32, that's where we're going to be picking up. Um, if you're new with us or uh, maybe you've missed a few weeks, we've been reading through the book of Exodus uh, since last year. We started it the week after our launch in August, and we're continuing, and we are almost done. I promise, we are almost done. Exodus has been a great book. It's been a long book. And these last few weeks have been challenging because Moses has been up on Mount Sinai with God, and he has been telling him how to build an altar. He's been telling him how to build the, the tabernacle. He's been telling him what priests should wear. He's been telling them what they can and cannot sacrifice. He's been telling him all these things. And so there have been some, uh, some verses and chapters in here that we've been reading and just like, do I, know, do I need to know how long and how wide and the width and diameter of the tabernacle? And yes, it's, it's good to know. Um, but how do we apply that to our lives today? And it's good knowledge. So we're, we're, we're getting through it. And actually at this point, we pick up in Exodus 32 um, where the Israelites... Um, might be in the position that we're in, where we're kind of tired. We're like, man, we have been here for a while. Uh, what's next? Anything new? <laughs> um, and so um, before we get into any of that, I just want to pray and uh, just be, be, uh, be in the presence of God today. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for this day, this food, these people. God, thank you for dancing and screaming, yelling children in worship that are worshiping you in their own ways. And, and God, they are seeing your kingdom being lived out by these people. And thank you, Lord God, that we have young bodies that are learning about you. Lord God, I just want to pray that, that we are here today. We, we open our ears to what you have to speak to us, Lord God. I, I pray that it is nothing that is coming from me, but it is all from you. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the air conditioning on this warm day. Uh, God, just be with us. Amen. So like I said, turn or tap with me to Exodus chapter 32. That's where we're going to be picking up. Um, and like I was saying, uh, we have been in this, this time where Moses has been uh, kind of in communion with God. He's been up on the mountain, just him and God, having this conversation, writing down uh, the, the, the descriptions of the temple, exactly how they need to be built. And we get to this point here, right at the end, when, when God instructs Israel, he's telling, he's telling Moses again how to... Uh, how to keep the Sabbath holy, what they need to do. Um, and so we finished there last week. And I just want to pick up where we left off at 31, 18, and then we're going to get right into 32. And the very end of this verse, it says that when the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. I don't know if you've ever had to uh, write anything in stone. Uh, I know it's kind of a phrase that we hear in this world, but uh, carving things into stone is incredibly hard. When I was young, I definitely had tried. Um, I would take uh, one rock and against another, and I would do my best with my dad's tools to hammer it in. And when I say tools, I don't mean a hammer because I wasn't that smart of a kid. I take like his old ratchets, and I broke a few. Don't tell my dad. Dad, if you're watching this, I'm so sorry. Those ratchets, my bad. But we find here in 32, uh, Moses, um, Moses has been up on the mount 
for quite some time, and it starts right here at verse 1. It says, When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down on the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Now, Aaron's another character that we've been talking about. He's kind of Moses' like right-hand guy through this story. So they come to Aaron, and they say to him, Come on, make us some gods. And I just want to sigh here for a second. <sighs> Israelites. Like, how many times? You've watched this happen. God has brought you out of, out of, out of captivity. And he's done miracle after miracle after miracle. When they were being chased by the Egyptians, he was a flame by night and a cloud by day. When they were hungry, he rained manna from the sky. They opened up the water and it was dry and they walked across. They've been through all of this. And they come to Aaron and they say, come on, make us some gods. Lowercase g with an S. Make us some gods that can lead us. They said, we don't know what happened to this fellow, Moses. <laughs> Moses, the guy that they've been following, the leader, the guy whose name's in the book a bunch. Fellow, they don't even call him by name. This fellow, Moses. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so if, you're, if your version's a little bit different, that's okay. Who brought us here, and they don't even say they brought us out, they, that he did all these things, but just brought us here out of Egypt. I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> because we need to understand that these people know full well the covenant of God. Back in Exodus chapter 20, God spoke to the people. They're on the mountain, and they're still on the mountain, and there's a cloud that has dawned upon the mountain. And God even told Moses, he said, prepare a boundary. Set this boundary around the mountain. No person can come across the boundary. If they do, they will die. If they don't, they must die. So it's super serious. And then this cloud has descended, and it has not left. And the Israelites over here are going, cloud. Aaron, cloud. Moses must be gone in the cloud. Aaron, we want a new God. He is right there on the mountain. But the Israelites, they couldn't see him. They didn't want to see him. And so in Exodus chapter 20, God speaks the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Some of us know it by heart. Other of us remember the movie. But in the Ten Commandments, there's a couple really important ones. One, have no other gods before me. It's a pretty important one. I think it might be the first. And the second, don't construct and bow down to idols. So guess what happens? Here they ask, Aaron, what happened to this fellow Moses? He brought us out of the land. Why don't you give us a new lowercase god? So Aaron, take all of your gold rings, earrings from your wives, your sons, and daughters and bring them to me. All of the people took all of the gold that they have in their possession, they gave it to Aaron, and he smelted the gold down and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O oh, Israel, these are the lowercase gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Us as people who live in the 21st century who have the entire context of scripture here, who have been reading it this whole time, that know the past, maybe some of us have read, read ahead and we know what comes, it irritates us, right? It irritates me. How in the world could the, could the Israelite people be so dumb? How could they, or God is literally on the mountain in this cloud, they've been told not to go past this line, they know he's right there, be so arrogant, so ignorant to turn and say, I want a new God. I want a God that's tangible, a God that I can remember. And they, they, I bet you, and it doesn't necessarily say here in Scripture literally, but I bet you they began to think about their time in captivity in Egypt. 
And they begin to think about the gods that the, the Egyptians used to worship, and they're like, the calf, Baal, these, this little cow. They would, they'd worship the cow, and, and when the, the Egyptians did it, there would be rain. They'd be a god, god, cow, whatever, however they want to pray to it. I don't even know. I'm not, that's not my, uh, <laughs> my form of study, so I don't know. But they would worship it, and then every so often, coincidentally, it would rain. And so they thought, well, they prayed to the cow and there was rain. It must be the God is real. So Aaron, construct us the cow that we used to worship because that's what we saw the Egyptians do. And you wonder, has it been like 24 hours, 12 days, six weeks? How long has Moses been gone that they've let go of the promise? For they know the covenant. It was spoken to them in Exodus chapter 20. At Exodus 24, specifically here at verse 18, it talks about how Moses was up on the mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights. So I'm assuming here they're beginning to have this conversation with Aaron, probably about day 39, maybe 40. And they're saying, we're done with this. We don't know when the Moses guy is coming back, the fellow. We don't know any of this, and we don't trust anything, and there's been this weird cloud there, but nothing has happened. I'm bored. I'm tired. We talked about this promised land. Give me a God I can touch. Give me a God I can see. Give me a God that I can feel. Give me a God I can give my offering to and feel good about myself. And in doing that, they break the first two commandments of the new covenant. Don't have any other gods before me, and do not construct or bow down to any idols. And they do just that. They bow down to this cow god that is literally just scrap metal melted down into the shape of a calf. And they claim that that is God who brought us out of Egypt. Even though they've seen with their eyes the miracles that God has given time and time again. So Aaron obliged them, but God knew what was happening. And so God started to get really angry he had burned with righteous anger. And he told Moses, look at what the Israelite people are doing. And he begins to explain to them exactly what they said to Aaron. And God begins to get enraged by this. And so much so that he wanted to destroy all of Israel. Now we need to understand here, again, this is something that we, we studied a couple months back, the context of how many Israelites were there. Sometimes we have this misunderstanding. We think it's a few hundred, maybe a few thousand. But we need to understand, between the men, women, and children, children it is understood by most theologians that there is at least 600,000 Israelite people that were re released from captivity in Egypt that have trudged through this land together and they are now all here on Mount Sinai and this small group of people have banded together and begun to do exactly what the covenant told them not to do. And God wanted to wipe them all out with his righteous burning anger. But at verse 11 it says this, but Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. Oh Lord, Moses said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the, Egypt, why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them from evil intentions by slaughtering them at the mountain, wiping them off the face of the earth? <sighs> Moses is coming and he's interceding on the behalf of the Israelites here. He's coming to God and he says, God, you're going to do all of these things. You're going you're to 
take a stutterer like me and step me into this kingdom and you're going to give me a staff and the first thing you're going to show them is that it turns into a snake and I can pick it right back up. And when they try to do the same, my snake, your snake, God, comes and destroys those snakes and we're going to go from plague to plague to plague. Then you're going to get us released. You're going to show us all of these miracles, Lord God. You're going to put us through the, the Nile River in dry land in safety. You're going to take us through, provide manna from the sky. We're going to get to Mount Sinai. You're going to show us your presence through a mighty cloud on this mount and you're going to let the Egyptians hear you're going to let them win because they're going to come and they're going to find our bodies dead at Sinai. That's where you're going to let the Israelite story stop, God. Is that what you're going to do? And that's what Moses is doing. He's challenging God here. He's not, he's not saying that you're wrong, God, and I'm right, but he's bringing up some valid points. It continues here. Turn away from your fierce anger, Lord. Change your mind about this terrible disaster that you have threatened against your own people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself to an oath with them, saying that I will make your descendants numerous as the stars in heaven, and I will give them all of the land that I have promised you to your descendants, and they will forever, forever possess it. Moses remembers the covenant that God gave his people and says, God, you can't let it end here. I understand you're angry. And it's hard to put it, it's hard to put it into to an understanding here in our human emotions and minds. So think about it like this. And this is how I had to process it this week as I prepared. You've helped someone in so many ways. You've loved someone so well. You've cared for them. Maybe you've paid their bills. You've fed them. You've kept them clean. Some of us are parents here. You've wiped their bum. You've done everything that you possibly can for them and that person that you so dearly love. You watch them grow and you watch them go and you say, Let me, I'm going I'm to get this here for you because I know that it's what you need. So you're going to walk through this life and I'm so excited for you. You're doing so good, child. I love you. And they go to the next thing. You're great. And then you step back from a distance and you're so proud of, your, you're so proud of them. And then you watch them and you hear them across the room as they begin to say, yeah, that piano, that piano got me to where I was today. That piano, it fed me. That piano, that piano, it got me the clothes on my back. That piano, that brought me out of slavery. That piano, I love that piano. I love that piano so much, you don't even know. I give it gifts and I bow down to it because that piano has done everything for me. And you sit here on the other side and you go, what? You what? I've loved you and cared for you and given you everything. I've been with you. I showed you myself on the mount. So if you can put yourself maybe into God's shoes, which I know is, it's too big to fill, but if you can imagine the, the, the righteous anger, God was totally justified in his anger towards the Israelites because he had given them everything that they needed to get to this point. He had brought them out of captivity. He had loved them so dearly. And he said, hey, here's these 10, 10 rules I want you to follow. Here's these 10 rules, and then 40 days in. That's a month and 10 days, right? 40 days in, they're like, it's been too long. I am way too tired of staying at this mountain. I mean, I know what God has all done for me, but I need, I need my piano. Aaron, would you build me a piano? He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, give me your watch, Trevor, and give me your, give me your sunglasses. Like, whatever you need, let's just build the piano with it. So he takes it, and he builds it, and I go, that. It's a cool piano. It's a nice piano. I'll worship that thing. 
God is righteous with his anger. And so he tells Moses to go down the mountain with the, with the tablets inscribed with those commandments. And I want to look at verse 20 here. So turn with me, if you can, to Exodus chapter 32, verse 20. <clears throat> it says this, that he, he took the calf that he had made and he had burned, that, that they had made, and he had burned it to the ground. He ground it into a powder. He threw it into the water and forced the people to drink. And Moses came down from the mountain enraged with the same anger, the righteous anger of God. He breaks his tablets, and then he takes this calf, and he destroys it, and then he makes the people drink the destroyed calf. And he says, if you want this God, may it be your God. And he goes forth, and he commands these people. He said, who here is still with God? And friends, this is hard, and I'm not going to glance over this. I'm not just going to say, this happened, and then move on. We need to read this because it's important. He brings forth the people known as the Levites, those who were fiercely in love with God and never gave up on his covenant. And the Levites go forth, and 3,000 Israelites die that day. In our human minds, our human justification, we say that's horrible, that's awful, they don't deserve that, they need grace, but they sinned against God. They looked at that calf, or in our analogy, the piano, and said that that was now my God. And so they were killed for treason. They were put to death. And it was these, these people who one incited all of this, who came to Aaron and said, we're tired of waiting, we're tired of these 40 days, we don't know this Moses fellow anymore, we need a, a new God, so make us a new God, and they got what they wanted, they got it, the God, and, and what it says actually is that they, they woke up early the next day, they began to, to go through and have a, a, a party, and they, they gave sacrifices to this cow, and they, they partied and reveled like pagans. And so they had a, a party full of debauchery, I'm sure. And in the midst of all of that, they got everything, everything that they deserved. And that's hard to process. But they worshiped another God, and to do so is death. And I want to ask you a question. I want to bring it to where we are now. May 22nd, 2022. How many of us have ever worshipped another God? And you're like, well, no, 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 no. I've always been a Jesus follower. I've all, don't worry. I was born in the church. I was raised in the church. I'm always on Team Jesus over here, Pastor Trevor. Cool, me too. But how many of you have taken something, someone, an item, an object, a, a job? You look at this, and how many of you have replaced the most important thing, the most high, God Almighty, and said, my job is the most important right now? My money is the most important right now. The celebrity I follow on Instagram, they tweeted me once, they're the most important right now. And here's something that I struggle with and I still wrestle with to this day and sometimes I have some long conversations. My wife, my child, my family, they are so important. But are they more important than God? Have I done what the Israelites have done here? And I've replaced God with something else? Maybe it's not a piano, which is silly, right? 
Maybe it's not a golden calf. Maybe it's the celebrity. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the, the great teacher or mentor who has done so much for you, and they are really, really good Christ followers, but you begin to worship them. Or you begin to worship yourself. I'm the most important person in this room. Just letting you know, I'm just the most important person in this room, so I do everything for myself. I, I eat first, I drink first, I do everything for me first because I worship me. Yeah, God's there, but yeah, I worship me. Because if I'm honest with you, friends, I should be part of that 3,000. The 3,000 that were put to death. God should be burning with righteous anger against me because I have sinned and I have worshipped myself. I have worshipped my money. I have worshipped my status. And it's like, man, I haven't, haven't sang worship songs like we did today. I haven't read a book about myself, though I tried to write an autobiography one time. Didn't go well. But I too should be put to death. But friends, let me tell you something beautiful. Something so wonderful is that even though we can probably all say that there's been something in our life that has taken first place over God, that there was one who went before all and died for you and for me. That we, we might be forgiven for that idolatry. That there is grace for you. And I'm not saying that, well, now you can go and worship whatever you want to worship and be self-centered and you can do all the things that you used to do before because there's this thing called grace from a man called Christ. But might you take Christ seriously and say, I am done with myself. I am done with what I have put above you, Lord God. And I still love my family dearly. Don't hear me wrong, Rochelle. I love you so much. But even I need to say, God comes first. And I love myself, and I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to try to do things I enjoy, like playing hockey. But when it comes down to it, i got to put God first. And I'm really thankful for my job, and I'm really glad that I get paid, even when I have to work like eight hours of overtime last week, and I get that extra bonus check, and it's really nice. But I'm not going to let my job or my money come first. I'm going to focus on God. Friends, I, I want you to, to think today, what does it look like for you to put God first? What does it look like to love your neighbor like Christ loves you? Christ gave us everything. He was the final sacrifice. And the thing I, say, I always say it and it always gets me is that he knew full well when we were in our mother's womb and God was knitting us together. He knew we would sin against him. And he knew what was coming and still chose to die on the cross for you and for me. And all we need to do is to ask, Lord God, I believe. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for choosing myself over you. And it's going to start small. It's going to start at that moment of, God, I'm ready. I'm going, to, I'm going to choose what you want for me. 
and I'm going to step forward into what you have and, and step into that. And then it's going to be day after day, habit breaking things of, I'm not going to put my job first. I'm, I'm not going to put celebrity first. I'm not going to put this, that, or the other. Fill in the blank. Think of whatever it is that you have replaced God with. And I'm going to, I'm going to take my time. It's going to be one minute every morning. I'm going to be in scripture. It's one minute, God. I know it's not great, but it's what I got right now. And in a month, it's going to be 10. And in a year, it's going to be a, it's going to be a book a week. We're going to go through this, Lord God. And I'm going to, I'm going to show up to church and I'm going to, I'm going to invest in my community and I'm going to love my neighbor like you love me. And I'm not talking about this hypothetical neighbor. We, we talk about this a lot here at the table. I'm not talking about the neighbors of Phoenix. Oh, we got neighbors everywhere. I'm talking about your literal neighbor. I'm going to love Emma like God loves me. My new neighbor just moved across the street. I finally met him. I got to shake his hand. And I said, if my dogs bark, please talk to me first. I'm going to love him like Jesus loves me. My neighbors who are loud and have their issues... I'm going to love them like Jesus loves me. My son, who, yes, he's three. He probably doesn't know any better, but he's, he's doing all the wrong things right now, like picking his nose and dumping the sandy shoes in the house and slapping the dogs and, and running wild with his diaper off. It is great. He's a toddler. I'm going to love him. Like, it gets better, I know. He's going to be a teenager, right, one day, and then I'm going to be pulling my hair out. I'm going to love him like Jesus loves me. When the, 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 person, when the person that I, that I trusted, that I loved and cared for, betrays me, which has happened. When they hurt me and go against me, I'm going to love them like Jesus loves me. And I don't know what that looks like right now. I'm not going to tell you that you have to just go over, bend backwards, and, and build every bridge for them, but I'm going to tell you that you need to love them like Jesus loves you. And it's going to take time to understand. And so if you take this challenge seriously with me, friends, and if you step forward into this, this Christianity that we believe in, this Jesus who loves us fiercely, who chose to die for you and for me, would you cast out your other idols? Like it said here in that last song, I won't bow down to idols. I will stand strong and worship you even if it puts me in the fire. Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? I'm yours, God. I'm no one else's. I'm done bowing down to my idols. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I, I am done I am done with my idols today. I'm done. I'm done with myself, God. I, I want to die to myself and be fully filled with you, Lord God, today and from this moment on. And I know I'm going to mess up, and I'm so thankful for the grace that you will have for me in those moments. But Lord God, I want you to burn a catalyst within my heart that will make me step forward into your kingdom here on earth to love my neighbor like you love me. God, thank you for these people for this church, for those who are with us in person, for those joining us online who are sick, who have not been able to make it tonight for one reason or another, challenge us and inspire us forward to take this seriously. And Lord God, I am thankful that I do not have to be put to death today because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for that final sacrifice. 
Lord God, and thank you for the table. Both the church that we attend and the, the table of the Eucharist in which we will get to take together. 